Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome, everyone, to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. My name is Jackie Lewis, and today I have the pleasure of Ben Harvey's company from Authentic Education. Welcome, Ben. How are you going? I'm good. That's good. I'm excited to be here, actually. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm pretty excited to have you here, I must say. You're a bit of a hero of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I've enjoyed your work for many years, and I have done myself a few of the Authentic Education courses, and... I might just share that my experience as well is I think your work is so well-rounded in what you do in bringing in an idea of what's possible with both the metaphysical understanding with meditation and kind of the spiritual aspects. But I think if there's any doubters out there of that kind of information, I feel you back it so well with the science, which makes it just so doable and um, you can understand what what we're trying to achieve through your amazing personal development work. So I thank you for that because I got a lot out of it. Can you tell me a little bit more about where that all began for you? Ah, that's always an interesting question. I think everyone, you get into these interviews and they're like, you know, where did you start? And you never know (laughs) where you're meant to start with with this interview. And I I think for the listeners out there, it's probably important that I start with my own journey and specifically a journey of of weight loss that I got myself into. In my early childhood, I had a bit of abuse that took place and uh, it did traumatise me. It was... Uh, it was, it was a, of a sexual nature and it was um, when I was about six years of age, I was uh, abused by a, a neighbor. It was quite an aggressive type of abuse that took place. Mm-hmm. So it did, it did create quite a, a traumatic experience in my, in my mind. And that kind of led me down a path of just not feeling like I fitted in the world or not feeling like, like it was kind of like, you know, everyone out there is them and I'm now me. Like I'm, I'm separate to the rest of society because I've had this thing happen and no one else understands this thing because I'm the only person that it's happened to because this is what's going on in my six-year-old brain of course and um you know the person who did it obviously threatened me and told me not to tell anyone and all all of this sort of stuff so it creates this idea that that there's something like broken with your like there's something like that and that i think that because there's a saying that i was told and the saying is you're only as sick as your secrets and i realized that i had this big secret you know i had this thing happen to me when i was a kid and i never told anyone about it as every time i'd catch up with my friends or talk to people i'd almost have this secondary conversation like I'm, I'm not really part of this group of friends because they're all normal and I'm I'm this broken kid that had this weird thing happen that I can't tell anyone about or otherwise this person comes and finds me and so it's this bizarre experience where you want to belong to society but you feel like you're totally separate from it mm. and it, it almost creates two different identities, you know, two separate versions of Ben. Like there's the Ben who's this happy-go-lucky guy at the party, everyone's friend. But then when he's on his own, he's just depressed and angry and breaking his toys and punching holes in walls. And it, it was just this weird experience. And over time, that kind of fragments and you end up almost having, you know, two versions of yourself. And right. I, I know as I tell you this story, it's almost like I totally know now that I'm millions of people have been through this. But mm. When I was growing up, I thought I was the only one. And so I know a lot of your listeners out there feel like they're separate people or feel like they've got, you know, a whole different identity. One they show the world, one they keep to themselves. And so that sort of um, splitting of identity or persona left unchecked 
it, it leads you to all sorts of weird and wonderful adventures in life. And certainly by the age of 15, I had a whole bunch of imaginary friends that I'd talked to in my head. And it, it kind of led me to about 1997 when my brain just completely fell apart and I experienced severe uh, mental illness. And I just mm. went through about five and a half years of chronic depression, chronic social anxieties, chronic states of going really manic and then really depressed. And I got labeled as bipolar and put on a whole bunch of, of medication. And at that point, I started to gain a lot of weight because I was really just struggling to understand what was going on. And so I turned to food because, I mean, let's face it, you know, food is, an, a, is a mood shifter. It, it yeah. shifts our mood. And so I'm trying to deal with all these traumas from my past. I'm going in and out of psychiatric wards. I spent about a year and a half of my life inside psychiatric wards, you know, going mm. in and out of hospitals for a four-month stint or a three-month stint or a five-month stint. And basically I got to 2002 and I was well over 120 kilos. I was just, uh, for me, I, you know, I consider that massive. And I know mm. people, you know, they, they get to significantly greater weights and I think it's all relative in our perspective for me it was it was a huge weight and literally I was just huge I look at photos of myself from the past I'm like fire that's a whole different person yeah I mean I don't want to sort of send everyone on a massive downer because I've got some inspiring stuff I want to tell everyone today right? <laughs> we'll get to that promise. But it's um, a great insight into what's possible and I think that's wonderful that you're able to relay your story in a way that you felt so different but it is something that is prevalent and it does happen to people and just totally. the understanding of what happens as a result of it and how to transmute it like you have, which is, you know, coming up. <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone ever wakes up really and says, I, 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 my one desire in life is to be morbidly obese. You know, yeah, I, no. I don't think anybody consciously chooses that. And, uh, you know, in 2002, I had a, a major awakening where I just sort of uh, almost just snapped out of it. There, there was a tragedy with a dear friend of mine from school who passed away and it, and it just shocked me out of it. And it's almost like I'd been asleep for so long and I, mm. and I woke up and I realized that, you know, as I said, no one's thinking that this is my goal. My goal is to be really unhealthy and really unfit mm. and to eat in an uncontrollable way. This is not what I chose. But so for me, I, I kind of woke up and realized that there is more to life. And I started to study the mind and try to work things out and wean myself off my medication in 2002 and just started to find that there were systems that could get the brain going back to a homeostatic state, back to balance, to where it functions correctly. And a lot of people say, you know, how did you lose the weight? And it's kind of like I didn't I didn't really lose it. it it's, it's almost like it transmuted itself into energy that I used to channel into what I love. And, and it's That's like I had all this fuel, you know, all this fat was fuel that I hadn't transmuted to pour into something I love. And so when I found something I love, which is obviously teaching and coaching and presenting, all of a sudden the weight, it really did just disappear. Like, did I follow a strict and stringent diet? I don't know, maybe. Did I go to the gym lots? I don't know, maybe. But I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just like, I think I found what I love doing. Yeah. And and now I'm going to transmute all this fuel on my body to put that into the thing that I want. And so th that's that's to me what I think is the, the core essence of it, that uh, fundamentally for all the listeners out there, I think the key that everyone has been saying from the beginning is you've got to go and find what you love. You've got to find mm. things you love. You've got to do what you love. You know, I love the fact that, you know, you love your business. You love the 
the the vitamins you're able to supply to people, the the massive healing you create with all of the people that you work with. And it shows, you know, you've got that energy. And so for me, my journey of all that trauma and tragedy led me to this place where I had a realization that doing what you love is is the secret to all of it. Like that's the... That's the and I think that helps us to be good healers is we don't necessarily enter life in an easy way, like everyone has a story. But I think when you stand up and look at that and work with it I think that's what makes you more empathetic and understanding of other and able to tell your story without all the emotion attached to it because you've obviously worked through that Mm. and I I agree with an not inspired life when you introspect and when you work with what you have and explore that but don't necessarily hang on to the negative aspects of it and take it and use it as energy to you know make good for other and I see that in your work it's um it's also so clean in that way is that it's obviously it becomes easy and I'm trying to say for me it becomes what you do and who you are and I think it's as a result of what's also happened so I think that our listeners could also bring that to the table because I do see that there's a lot of some history of difficulty or trauma in the obese community and Mm. sometimes it's um, likened to a protection mechanism you know creating this wall around us that's actually a physical barrier for more incoming stuff that you know we need to deflect to protect ourselves and so often to lose that weight is really becoming quite vulnerable in a lot of ways from a psychological perspective and I think that's when things start to come up for people as they kind of regain this sense of you know inverted commas normal size it's like who am I going to be now and what do I do with this so there's a lot of that lost kind of understanding and um, people looking for what is next and who who will I be now? And um, I think it's, you know, time to gather different resources such as yours and even Anthony Benici and um, other people I've spent time with recently on the podcast and work out what resonates with you and, and utilise it and become passionate. And um, it's, we've got access to so many things now thanks to COVID and everything's online that there's no excuse. <laughs> totally. So what would you say, what is the key to someone living an inspired life? I think at the end of the day, we named our company Authentic Education and, and we, we, we spent a lot of time getting that word authentic and I've been doing this for 14 years and it's funny that you have like an unfoldment through life where you become more and more aware of what things actually mean and I only say in the last couple of years I've fully understood what authentic actually means even though we've been running for over a decade (laughs) I've only really recently worked it out and I think if I was to sum it up I don't think I know authenticity is is not lying to yourself and I think too many people lie to themselves because they're so ridiculously concerned about what other people think. And I think if you want to live an inspired life, step number one is that just stop lying to yourself. Mm. And people lie to people. Like there's a reality that people tell people lies. There's just a thing about it. You know, people lie to people. That's that, that just happens in life. The chance of us being able to stop, you know, someone says, how was your meal at the restaurant? You're like, no, well, it was okay. But you hated it. But okay, I get that. But the most important thing is people need to stop lying to themselves. Mm. They they really need to stop lying to themselves. And if they do that, almost by default, they'll begin their trajectory to an inspired life. And people have to wake up at some point and realize that this, this thing I'm doing right now, I know whether or not I'm enjoying it. I know. I know if I'm halfway through a movie, whether I'm enjoying it or not. The question Mm. is, do you get up and walk out, right? That's kind of the analogy where in your life are you sitting through the movie when you worked out 20 minutes in you hate the movie right and where does that show up for you because yeah. if you keep sitting through that movie at that point you're now lying to yourself 
You know this is not inspiring, but now you persist. But why are you sitting through the movie? Is it because the person you went to the movies with, you don't want to offend them? Is it because you paid them? What, like, what's the reason that we justify lying to ourselves? Mm. So for me, living an inspired life, it fundamentally comes down to observing five key areas of life. And we call it the values track. So uh, with any of the listeners out there, if we were to attach a dictaphone to them and record everything they say for like a week, we'll find that they love, they, they gravitate towards certain conversations. You know, they'll be in the middle of a, a, a dinner and they'll talk to somebody and then they'll work their way to make that conversation about something. So for me, I like to observe, first of all, what do your listeners love talking about? You know, what are the conversations that they gravitate towards? For me, it's always psychology and mindset and business and transformation. So if I'm at a party and someone's talking about taxation law, I'm going to make sure that that conversation changes to mindset as quickly as possible because that conversation about taxation law has zero inspiration to me. And if I persist with that conversation, I will be lying to myself Hmm. because this, there's nothing, you know, there's no exchange here of what we class as value. But the first thing is what do people like to talk about? The second thing is what do people like to research? You know, a lot of people, if we just look through their browser history, we look to the podcast they listen to, uh, we look at the kind of magazine subscriptions they have, straight away we'll know what inspires people. Because when we observe someone, we'll notice that the stuff people research, no one's telling them to do it. They're actually driven from within. And inspiration is a feeling from within that drives you to take action. Motivation is where you have to pick something up. Inspiration is where the thing picks you up. And so if you're finding that you're researching things and you didn't need motivation to do it, then you found what's inspiring to you. Correct. If you force yourself to research it, then that's not inspiring. The third thing that I normally look for is the skill sets that people like to acquire. So, you know, some of your listeners might love playing suggestions or some of your listeners might love practicing Toastmaster speeches or some of your listeners might like enjoy, you know, swimming or riding a unicycle. You know, what are the skills that they constantly want to inquire that no one asks them to do? And then the last two are, what do you spend most of your mental energy contemplating? Where does your mind wander to? And then what do you know a lot about? So it's T for talk, R for research, A for acquire, C for contemplate and K for know. So it's the track. track. The values track is what we call it. So basically, anytime I find someone who's, you know, eating uncontrolled, having chronic addictive behaviors, not getting results. First thing I check is, are they on track or not? You know, if your whole values track says mindset, mindset, spirituality, spirituality, mindset, and I ask, you know, what do you do for a living? And you say, I'm an accountant for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you, you're off track. And, and that disconnect between what truly inspires you and what you spend, you know, 10 hours of your day every day doing, that is going to cause states of depression and anxiety. And mm-hmm. then you've got the symptomology that comes with that. So an inspired life is really just living the truest possible you can to your values track. So that, that, that That's is great. Summary of it. And it's funny when you're talking about sitting through the movie and I'm listening, I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there hoping it gets better. And yeah. isn't that interesting that it was something that really kind of resonated with me was, am I sitting around just not doing anything about it, waiting for it to get better? Does that make sense at all? So um, there's, yeah, I'm learning along the way. So it's fantastic. And that's why I love doing these podcasts because it's about the listeners, of course, but I always gain something as well. So yeah, that's fascinating. Just um, yeah, applying that understanding. It's brilliant. Thank you. And having a look at willpower, I talk a lot about willpower and a lot of our listeners embark on the journey thinking I'll just get, you know, I'll do this surgery and I'll just gather my willpower and I'll stop doing all these things that aren't helping me. I'm going to change, turn everything. And it is literally turning your life upside down. You have to learn how to eat well. You have to learn how to exercise. It's a huge 
you know, 180 turn. What do you say about willpower? Oh, Jackie, I really hope that I'm not going to completely frazzle your listeners right now. I, I, I just, I hope not. Okay, They're all up for frazzling, really. All right. So if I contradict you right now, I, I apologize in advance. Um, to me, willpower is a complete waste of time. And the reason it's a complete waste of time is because fundamentally willpower is driven by blood glucose. And so in order to have willpower, technically you've got to eat, right? <laughs> so <laughs> willpower is generated from eating. So Gee, the, more will- goodness. <laughs> the more willpower you want, the more you've got to eat. The more food's going to come in. That's right. So we've got, with, with the listeners out there, we have a small problem. <laughs> so I, I believe willpower is a waste of time. And I'll explain why. Because let's just say there's a Snickers bar sitting on your table and you're looking at the Snickers bar and you spend 20 minutes burning through blood glucose, all this fuel to maintain the resistance level required not to eat the Snickers. The energy that you burn and the time and resources that you allocated to not eat that Snickers. My suggestion is you should have just eaten the Snickers and got on with your day because now you've lost all of this fuel and energy that you could have channeled into your values track. I agree. But here's the craziest thing. If your listener loves windsurfing, loves windsurfing, and we take them out windsurfing, guess what? Not they're thinking not about the Snickers bar. Yes, the Snickers. They're not yeah. doing it. No. Because they don't have time to do it. So this is why willpower is total rubbish. Willpower is used by people who aren't doing what they love. Because if you're doing what you love, you don't need willpower. The trick to willpower is not willpower, but something called freed will. Mm. Freed will is when the energy, the blood glucose, the fuel moves up through your brainstem, through the different regions of your brain and makes it to the front of your forehead. This region, referred to as the third eye or the executive um, center by um, neuroscientists, contains functions that act like willpower on steroids but you don't need to do it it does itself but you can't do that unless you free your will so if you're using willpower what you're actually doing is you're constraining your will you're constraining it so it doesn't run free and do magnificent things so willpower is the constriction of your magnificent if you free your will and let it run wild and channel it into what you love you'll never eat the snickers again because you won't have time so willpower completely confuses people and in the personal development industry it runs rife and people run entire workshops on it not realizing that all they're doing is helping people with the symptom not fixing the the problem and so for me i'm 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 like eat the snickers just eat it and on with your life like and yes i agree and i think we talk so much about you know do this exercise but find the exercise that you love it doesn't 100%. have to be like I think we fall into this well I've got to exercise so I'll go to the gym and I'll do and it doesn't have to be that it could be you know those pole dancing classes or dance classes or salsa or something that makes you feel good connects you with other people who are like-minded I think we get stuck in this whole carbon copy of you know how is this going to look this healthy lifestyle it means I need a gym membership a pair of lycra tights and it's certainly not always like that so it's really refreshing to hear again someone say that willpower is just exhausting in a lot of ways and willpower is also interrupted by stress when you get busy when the kids are sick like if you have to maintain this level of willpower to keep all those balls in the air the minute something happens it's over and then you've got this cycle of well I've lost all my willpower so I'm back on that cycle of eating out of control and drinking wine or doing whatever it is that makes us gain weight in the first place Um, because we're so busy keeping all these balls in the air it's just exhausting cutting to the chase underneath that is yeah executive function and and reduction in stress that'll 
will actually help our frontal part of our brains operate. Um, I'm still looking for the key for that. But um, <laughs> in love with the process, you know, everyone loves yeah. the prize. Everyone wants the nice looking body. Everyone wants the fancy car. Everyone wants the, the bank account. Everyone wants the great relationship. That's the prize. People need to understand the process that leads them there. So, I mean, I go to the gym. Do I love the gym? I enjoy the gym, but do I love it? Not 100%. But what mm. I do love is learning. And I love listening to audio books. Yeah. And I find that 45 minutes of the gym, I get to listen to audio books completely undisturbed. And that weights that I'm lifting, I don't even realize I'm so focused on the book that I'm reading. So me going to the gym, we call this um, values mapping, where you get something you really enjoy and you map it over the top of the process that's going to get you the result you're looking for. So I know mm. that going to the gym is going to give me a physique. Um, I oh, Hand on heart, I'll be straight up. I only go to the gym for aesthetic. I do me not too. go for energy. I don't go for fitness. I don't go for any of that rubbish they sell in the magazines. I go there just purely for aesthetic. That's yeah. it. I just want my body to look a certain way, nothing else. So when I go to the gym, I'm very specific with the, the exercises I do and they're only done for shaping my body. Push-ups, bench pressing. <laughs> And so therefore I'm honest with myself about that. Yeah. You know, I I don't lie about it. So you're not going to see me on a treadmill for half an hour. That is a, that's taken all the shape away. Like what the heck got I do that for? So being honest about what we want and what's meaningful is important and then mapping stuff across. So I definitely love learning. So the gym is my opportunity to learn for 45 minutes straight Mm. and to add some light aesthetic appeal to my physique. I like it. And what, and I think now with all the information we have available, I find it almost creates my stress is what am I going to listen to next because there's just so much on offer there's podcasts and then I listen to podcasts and then I listen to my books and then I download another you know personal development book or psychology or something like that and I find that's my almost my stress these days is how much information am I just taking in on a daily basis I need to sleep to process it all. So, and that's the thing, I guess my point is, is that if you are changing your life in some way, the information is out there now and it's free. There's so much free information that I just think that I don't know better is not an excuse anymore because there's always somewhere to find it. Um, And I post a lot in our group about different ways of finding these, you know, free access to lifestyle changes and that sort of thing. Meditation, is that a part of your daily practice as well? You know, I used to meditate hours and hours a day. So th- there's kind of a philosophy out there that says, if you want to replicate somebody's results, you've got to model where they started, not where they are now. Yeah. And so I kind of let people down a little bit when, I am, when I'm asked that question. Do I sit to meditate nowadays? Not very regularly. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of like an entertaining thing that I do when I feel like doing it. Where I began though was not there. I began with very disciplined meditation practices, sometimes one to two hours per day in the mornings yeah. and then an hour in the evenings. And I did that for many years. So Mm. I am a big avid believer that meditation um, allows the person who does meditation to develop fundamentally what's known as a gap between stimulus and response. So I see the Snickers bar stimulus response is to open the Snickers bar. But if I meditate, the gap between the stimulus and my response gets bigger, which allows me to do conscious choosing, not unconscious reacting. So the bigger the gap we can put between stimuluses in our lives and our responses to those, this is actually not willpower. This is just having time to consciously choose what you want to do. It's Mm. a different thing. So for me, uh, meditation provided me with a good gap between the world's stimuluses and how I chose to respond, which allowed me to get a greater control of my life. What I find though, is that any 
anytime something feels like it's a chore, I immediately stopped doing it because an inspired life is not full of chores. So meditation began to feel like a chore. And I remember getting up one morning saying, I have to meditate this morning. And that day I stopped, that was it. stopped doing it as a behavior because I realized mm. this is not, I'm doing it now because someone told me to. This, this isn't Ben's life. And examining the result of that as well. Yeah. So I, I do med- love meditation. I yeah. love the benefits of it. I teach people all the time. Uh, I've used it a lot. It's probably been, you know, for me, I always say that meditation is my medication. Mm. You know, I'm a big fan of vitamins. I'm a big fan of um, healthy living. I'm a big fan of supplements. And in terms of, you know, pharmaceutical medication, for me, I use meditation. Yeah. So I've just been saying that for ages that, and for since 2002, I've, I've never had a single piece of medication. I was heavily medicated, lithium mm. three times a day, Zyprexa, Valium. Wow. I was on all the stuff. And so for me, I find that, you know, when it feels right, I'll get into a meditative state and I find that there is benefit to it, but it's not a, a discipline anymore of mine. Yeah, great. Thank you. I find it's handy when I'm not sleeping. If I'm busy in the night and I, um, I'm trying to get to sleep and I'm thinking about the day or whatever, that's when mantra will come up for me. And I'm the same as you. I used to meditate a lot. And at the time when I was doing it a lot, um, I found it really transcended a whole lot of behaviours that weren't supporting my life at the time. And I, I think that's what happens is that you do find that you're less or you've provided that gap, as you say, for yourself once you kind of start to heal all that underlying garbage that does come up when meditation starts. Um, so I find exactly the same. Those intense kind of periods of that are really helpful. And then I just dip in and out. Um, it's kind of a natural thing to do um, if I can't rest or I'm too busy or I'm not settling it's um I think it's also the thing that gives me access to the front part of my brain a little bit better Mm. as well um so why is the question what do you believe to be true that isn't so powerful when it comes to unleashing your true potential yeah there's a couple of great questions that arise in this industry when you think about a lot of change that your listeners will go through uh, will happen at the back of a great question so quite often I mean Potentially, one of the main reasons that they finally got weight loss surgery was because someone asked them a question, have you ever tried weight loss surgery? You're like, so, so questions drive change in our lives. And so I'm always looking for good questions. And, and one of my favorite is, um, what do you believe to be true that isn't? You know, so it's, it's a question we can ask ourselves that allows us to break things down. So what I know is that with a lot of people that have any addictive behavior, eating, for example, there's a psychological concept known as secondary gain. Secondary gain simply says you do an action and you get a reward immediately. And the reward is in the form of a feeling. So I do an action and I get attention. I do an action, I get recognition. I do an action, I feel like I'm in control. I do an action, I feel like I've got authority. I do an action, I feel like I've got validation. So So these secondary gains, if we're really honest with ourselves, are what drives everything. So when people start to ask themselves questions like, what do I believe to be true that isn't? Well, you know, I believe to be true that I can't stop myself eating. Okay. Well, is that really true? Well, not really, because I I didn't really, you know, I could stop myself eating this morning. Okay, so what else do I believe to be true that isn't? Well, I believe to, what do I believe to be true? I, I believe that, you know, eating correct food doesn't work. Okay, what else do I believe to be true that isn't? Well, I believe that, uh, you know, y- your body gets more painful as you get older and uh, you just get, so w- what it allows us to do is deconstruct the stories that we tell ourselves that literally set up our entire reality. And as we deconstruct those stories, we're able to be a lot more honest with ourselves. So for me, what I like to do 
is every couple of months I'll go up to the Blue Mountains and I'll go to a, a, a walk there called the Grand Canyon Walk in Blackheath. And I'll sit down on one of the little, the little they got like a fern gully thing that go a canyon. And uh, I sit there and on this log in the middle of a river and I'll sit there and I'll just ask myself that question over and over again. And then I'll take an idea. Okay, so in my health, what do I believe to be true that isn't? Well, I believe that the older I get, the sore I should feel. But is that true? No, because I see 90-year-olds that have no pain in their body. So, so why do I believe that? Well, it's not true. Okay, so I'll let that one go. And I just start to investigate. And I find it's a very good in- investigative process that mm. people can run themselves through that helps them remove the limitations in their thinking. And I know that after people get surgery, um, they've got a whole new identity shift that occurs. You know, it's a brand new person now. You look different. You're going to feel different. You've got to, you're going to eat different. Like everything's different now. And you've really got to investigate the old you still has thought pathways in your brain. And it's important that you start to get rid of them. So one of the things I recommend all the listeners do is you write that question down. What do I believe to be true that isn't? And then ask yourself, in relationship to my weight, what do I believe to be true that isn't? You know, have you told yourself that losing weight is an incredibly difficult thing? Because I've seen people within 12 weeks transform their body out of sight that's unimaginable. So if you think it's this hard, drawn out journey that takes years, but there's all this evidence that says you can do it in, you know, eight to 12 weeks. So mm. why would you believe the one that says it takes years when you know it's not true? So for me, I like the question because it does help us get a hold of reality, allow us to be honest with ourselves. And then from that point, we can truly investigate while I'm eating all this food or I'm overeating or I'm over drinking or whatever I'm doing, what feeling am I getting as the reward? And then once I know the feeling I'm getting as a reward, we can then move that feeling across to other. So let's just say I get attention from being overweight because you know everyone's sort of looking at me because I stand out or whatever. How can I get that desire for attention and get it from going to the gym or doing salsa dancing. And once yeah. I can start to find what I really want in life, which is the combinations of all the nice secondary gains that I enjoy, once I can do that, I get to take total control of how I spend each of my days. And so this is something that, first of all, remove all the beliefs you have and then look really deep inside and ask yourself, what feeling, what is the honest feeling that I get from this behavior? And if that's the feeling I love, how do I get that in the most inspired way possible? Correct. And it's not removing these things. And we talk about don't, you know, don't eat so much food, but there's a feeling attached to that. And it need you can't just take something out and leave a gap. And it needs to be replaced with something that makes you feel as or gives you that same feeling. And I think we talk a lot about, you know, just stop doing that or change that behaviour. But there's, you're right, that feeling that people are gaining from this thing that they're doing. And when you just pull out the plug um, and not fill it with something else, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to be beneficial. So it's looking at um, what is the feeling and what else would I get that feeling from and putting it in that place. Um, 100%. Because we can't leave big holes in things. Well, you can't. You can't take it away. No. Anything that your nervous system thinks is missing, it'll go and find it. And that's why people who lose weight gain it back. Yes. Because it wasn't the weight. It was the attention they got from being so big. When the weight dropped away, they got less of the attention. Yeah. So even though they wanted to be skinny, underneath that there's a nervous system that feeds not on the shape of your body but on the feeling you get yes 
So classically, we see this all the time, like the classic overeater who gets the attention, we help them become a best-selling author. Mm. And because they're getting all this attention now from their book, they don't need the weight anymore and the weight drops off. Or the classic smoker that smokes only to belong to the group of smokers, Mm. we get them to engage with a group of like-minded individuals that want to go out there and change the world. And straight away, they stop smoking. Yeah. So it's important that you cannot get rid of the feeling that you that you crave, for want of a better phrase. Your body loves the feeling. That's mm. what makes life wonderful is the feelings. So all you're trying to do is say, this is the feeling that I honestly love. And this action, that one of eating, that's not really getting me the best version of that feeling. How about I go and do this one instead? So for us, it's always about be honest with the feeling. And a lot of people aren't willing to be honest about it. Mm. They're not willing to put their hand up and say, you know what? You're right. I love walking in a room, being 200 kilos, because everyone turns and looks at me and it's undeniable for the whole time I'm getting attention from everybody. Mm. But no one admits that. And this is where authenticity comes in. If people stop lying to themselves and admitted that they enjoy the attention, albeit they're getting it in a bad way. A lot of people gain the weight because when they were skinny and attractive, they got attention that led to a traumatic experience. Yes. So they still love the attention, but it's safer to get the attention when they're massive because they won't have potentially the trauma that occurred. So they still crave the attention, but they've worked out that the, the attention I got from being skinny and attractive wasn't safe. So I'm still going to get the attention, but I'm going to in do another way. by being obesely overweight. And that way I don't run the risk of these sexual advances or Absolutely. whatever that led to it. So if you watch people, you'll notice that even though their body shape changes or their addictive behaviors change, the feeling they love never changes. Mm. So admit, what is it? Is it attention? Do you like feeling authority? Do you like the feeling of belonging? Do you like the feeling of being rebellious? Do you like the feeling of being validated, recognized, acknowledged? What do you love mm. and admit it to yourself and then go and find the go most find it. way of getting it. Fantastic. And um, I think it's something that is takes a bit of exploring as well um, and creating new ways and accessing new groups. Like you're saying, do I smoke because everybody I hang out with smokes? And then have you ever been around a group of people that you've smoked or drank with and you stop? They're quite put out by it. And we were talking 100%. about this in the group today. And so it's very easy to say, I don't want to smoke or drink anymore, but to associate yourself with this same group means that they're uncomfortable because you're not smoking or drinking and your risk of them saying here you know have another one have another one come on and the encouragement to keep on you know doing that same unhelpful behavior is so prevalent um that yes i think sometimes you do need to work out who your people are in that way when you're creating these changes and associate yourself with those who are doing what you want to be doing or being the people that you want to be um fake it till you make it kind of comes to mind. And it's not that you're faking it, it's that you're exploring and um, associating and creating those new connections from a social perspective or even neurological that there's this possibility of what you can, you know, achieve and do in your life. But associating yourself with it is the key um, and finding those new um, things that are on offer. So that's why I love doing these podcasts with people like yourself because it just opens up that understanding of what's possible and where to get it. So once the light bulb goes on, 
um, there's a platform there to draw from and um, just keep going back until it, it keeps, you know, changing things for you. It's not um, a short thing to embark on. It's a lifetime um, journey, I think. And once you hop on to that understanding of personal development and changing things for yourself, I think there's always something that I'm working on that I'm like, oh, I might do that better. I'll explore that or read about that. And um, I think it becomes your passion because you can see that it helps you, but it also helps others. And I think that's where it all comes down to. So tell me, last question, what's the actual secret to being truly successful? Uh, I think it, it's, it's just going to come back to this one idea. Uh, well, it's actually two things. It's authenticity and action. That, that's, mm. that's, that's the two things. And by authenticity, I mean, just stop lying to yourself. Just, like, you know, I've had conversations with people and I, I, I don't in any way want any of you um, listeners to be offended by what I'm about to say. My brother's a natural bodybuilder and uh, he has this saying. He, he would say to me, Ben, if you eat for two people, you're going to look like two people. <laughs> and that, that's just his saying. If you eat for two people, you're going to look like two people. And so I've worked with a lot of people that have uh, wanted to, you know, lose the weight, get control and so on. And I'll have a conversation with them. And I'll say, you know, what's the one thing you haven't tried yet that if you tried it, you would have already, you'd already achieved the goal. And they'll say, I've tried everything. Every, they'll say, I've tried every single thing you can imagine, Ben. And then I ask them, have you tried eating less food? And they say, oh, no, it's not about that. Ben, no, no, it's not about the food I'm eating. So they actually put a blind spot over the actual one thing that is causing it. And we can discuss this for weeks before they remove the blind spot or they'll say look man I, I don't i don't eat desserts but if we videoed them all day they eat chocolate all day long but because it's not classed as a dessert they say i don't i don't eat i don't eat desserts but i don't eat sweet desserts but they're not so yeah it's language and it's a language we develop to save 100%. ourselves i think and that's the key when you're talking about you know follow someone around for a week and listen to what they're talking about exactly. you can um you could get an understanding of how positive they are how connected they are you know all that sort of thing and i think it all comes down to the language we create for ourselves and um we, we run a story around it totally i mean i always say to people look lie to anyone you want you know everyone says oh your word is your bond not really if you said to me that you know we were going to have dinner tomorrow night and you promised me we we're going to have dinner tomorrow night and tomorrow morning your best friend wins the lottery and, and shouts you around the world trip first class you're not going to dinner with me tomorrow night sorry no i'd, I'd be like jackie you lied, to, <laughs> you lied to me jackie how dare you but the fact is every human being will always live true to their values that's the reality but my whole thing is it's not about what you say to other people, right? Say whatever you want. If you really want to get change, you must immediately stop lying to yourself. Immediately. Every lie has to stop now. So for me, the key to success is stop lying to yourself and straight away you'll become authentic. Mm. Step two, then act in accordance with the things that light you up. And if you do that, then you'll crack the game. So to be able to achieve that, you've got to really have zero care for other people's opinions of you. And you have to be willing to really introspectively look and say, what are all the lies I'm telling myself? Okay, mm -hmm. I'm telling myself the lie that I don't eat desserts, but I see a family-sized block of chocolate right in front of me and I just ate half of it. Okay, so why am I lying? Okay, I'm going to stop lying about that. Okay, cool. So what else am I lying about? So it's for me, it's those two things, authenticity and action and just being brutally honest. Mm. 
with and with they're yourself. they're on offer, aren't they? Daily. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing is, is when we get that and we go, we're listening and looking at what we're telling ourselves. Don't expect 100% perfection straight away. Don't give up when it's like, oh, I'm doing that again. Um, just keep on going. And every time you re-attempt that or you have another look at it, it's like another layer comes off and more is revealed. And I think there's more on offer then and greater levels of change are you know, available. Mm. So um, how do we get involved with authentic education if we choose to do so? Uh, well, our website, authentic.com.au, it has a bucket load of free stuff on it. So it does. you're listeners could spend weeks of their life attending online programs, online courses, downloading all all sorts of stuff. There's a store there that sells all these programs, but here's my suggestion. Don't go to the store. Just click around our site long enough and you'll find everything for free, right? Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Don't bother spending any money on the store. Businessmen, what are you? What are you doing? (laughs) And and on the bottom of most of the pages, you're going to find pretty much all the products are free somewhere, right? Yeah. So just do that as a starting point watch some of the videos and then we do these full one-day programs that are free that people can attend anywhere in the world because they're all done online and we've got all kinds of things so we've got personal development courses how to um, find what you love and turn into business courses we've got how to present better how to do like all just a whole raft of things designed uh, specifically for one thing which is to help people live their love so we've actually set up a link just for your listeners so it's authentic.com.au uh, forward slash a w l s thank you australian weight loss surgery so um, a w l s if they go there it'll divert to our next big free one-day event so it's okay. an eight-hour program 100 free they get manuals there's crew it's a full-on program where they get to learn all about themselves uh, but authentic.com just the word authentic.com.au yeah. we'll find you uh, i'll put that all in the show notes we will be able to um, pop all that underneath so that all the listeners can find it i know um i spent two days doing your turning point course and it was free and i did it when i lived in sydney the content i left there with without spending a cent I was inspired to do the success automation which I also got a lot out of Um, but I was so pleasantly surprised by a free event because we know it's to showcase the other stuff that you do Uh, but to walk away with such applicable and uh, I guess it was just game changing it was really game changing and I think I'm sure people contact you all the time to say how much they got and changed out of two free days I would like to bring my son back to do those and I see that a lot of families come back to do the turning point as well and it's just um that's what got me inspired when I did that first course to do the rest of the programs that you offer because it's it is authentic education and it does make you have a look it's not painful it's yeah I just think it's a really well-rounded understanding of where life could go for you know the average Joe and I think that's the key as well as it's accessible for anyone so I know that um, I'm using my OneNote today actually as a result of the success automation course and everything in my life is in there my whole uni degree everything I refer to and it was just you know it's a simple thing but um, it's a daily way of me running my life in a way that is functioning 
and so you know if that's the one thing I got from that that's brilliant but there was a whole lot of others so thanks Ben Harvey it's been welcome my pleasure to have you here and to see your smiling face again so uh, thanks for sharing your story and for you know helping our listeners to understand that um, there's an infinite array of inspiring life to be lived out there and um, you know we'd love you to be part of that as well for them thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure my pleasure thank you have a wonderful day Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.